Welcome back to Carnage House Productions. We have a very special guest with us today. He is a 7-0 unbeaten one-man killing machine coming from Castle Hill fighting out of Evolution Gym, the 23-year-old Charlie Joyner. Charlie, how are you going? I'm very good. Happy to be here. Thank you. Well, thank you for coming on. You're one of our first legitimate guests. so I think this is going to be a good one. We've got Dukes here as well. Dukes is the yeah, resident UFC uh, couch expert mm-hmm. um, on all things fighting. He backs himself as a bit of a fighter. Um, it'd be interesting to see these two match up. <laughs> you should do martial arts, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. He used to do a bit of martial arts. I know he was training at a Bulldog gym in Parramatta, which we give a shout out to Bulldog. Love Bulldog. Your rates are too expensive. I'd love to join you again, but... Thirty-five bucks a week, mate. Who do you think I am? <laughs> Not made of money. Um, so we're going to talk with Char- to Charlie about a couple of things today. Um, definitely, he's got an upcoming fight. It's going to be a massive fight. Mm-hmm. Um, Australian K1 cruiserweight title, right? That's correct. That's correct. Yeah. Against Mackenzie Cunningham, March thirty. We're going to yeah. give him a shout out as well. Yeah, give him a shout out. <laughs> we'll we'll, we're going to give him a shout out to um, relevant uh, video footage. We'll put it up for you to see the last encounter. It was an absolute whooping. Charlie mm-hmm. Joyner puts a knee to the ribs. I don't think he's been breathing properly since. Oh, mate, Mackenzie. We might have Mackenzie on to see what he Should has give to him say. Some about time. <laughs> might give him a, a bit of Tyson on. Fury action. <laughs> there we go. So, how do you, just first off, how do you get to the fight? How do you buy tickets? Yeah, so I'll be selling tickets. Um, so, it's in the Central Coast. It's a bit of a smaller show. I find the. It's, um, they're a bit more relaxed up there. So I think at the moment the process is if you're not going to get a ticket through me, you're going to call the promoter and he's okay. just got his mobile number on the bottom of the poster. So maybe we can put the poster off or something like that. What but we'll do is we'll, we'll plug all of that. We'll get the, yeah, all yeah. the contact details, um, slap some posters. And if people around. want to buy a ticket from you, how do they do that? Um, probably just contact me through Facebook or Instagram would be the best. Okay. We'll put those details Do you want to do one of these and we'll put it up like that across the... What do you... Yeah. Just do... I'll point in. Yeah, that, that's Follow right. this page. Follow that page. There we go. We'll see if we can do that in production. I doubt it, but... We're I hope you can nice. now, because I'm <laughs> pointing at nothing. There we go. Um, cool. So why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, why you started fighting? Because, I mean, I've known you f- for quite a while mm. since we were in school together, and you seem like a bit of a pacifist, I would say. Mm. Um, I think why are you beating angry. people up now? <laughs> Um, well, realistically, it's sort of, I think a lot of people when they start fighting, they'll, they'll tell you stories about how, oh, it's something I always wanted to do. I wanted to, you know, get into fights. I've heard people say they want to take a beating, you know, dish one out. Yeah. But for me, it was just, like, I started watching UFC, the UFC blew up and I just saw the reaction that everyone had. And it was, it's not so much more about fighting, but I just wanted to learn that skill and put myself in that environment. And it was just one thing led to another. It was I was training, started picking up my training, started sparring, was doing quite well. I think naturally I sort of picked it up pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. I've got good gifts for it as well. I can use my reach, my yeah. long legs. Because there are there are only really a couple of things realistically that someone I guess your size. Charlie's like six foot eight, by the way, for the yeah, people who yeah. can't see. Yeah. Um, realistically, that I guess is sports you could do. Basketball's yeah. obviously one yeah, of them, yeah. but if it's not basketball, it's kind of semi limited. Mm. I think, yeah, it's, it's, well, I guess there's things like volleyball, stuff like that, but I think it's, uh, I played basketball, but I think it was, I didn't have much natural talent there, it was more just my height, as yeah. you probably remember from school, from the, um, shout out, TKS First 2012, 0-12, 
Um, 2012, 0-12. Yeah, were you the captain of that team? No, Eddie Jim. If you remember Eddie, I remember Eddie Jim. Shout out Eddie Jim. Um, but yeah, no, and it was. I think when I was sparring, I was. I was doing quite well and you sort of start developing a bit of a passion for it and it's it's one of those things where if you've got a love for something you can just keep training and training sure and yeah and then an opportunity to have a fight came up it's quite like a small they call them sparring comps but it's it's still set up like a like an amateur an amateur fight in america they probably call them smokers and you basically rock up on the day and um you see who else turns up if someone your weight turns up, you can have a fight. And yeah, I did, I did quite well in that one. And did you win? Yeah, I won, yeah. How'd you beat him? Um, it was decision, but I remember I was quite nervous before, but I landed a good solid head kick in the first 10 seconds and calmed my nerves a bit, but yeah, it was good. And just from there, it just, yeah, just kept on taking those small little steps each day. Why don't you talk us through a little bit uh, before that first fight? Because obviously that would... Like that's obviously you've got your sparring that you do at your gym. Yeah. Um, this is uh, was that kind of your first proper, yeah, full blown contact. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, when, and so were you? Were you like when you say you were a little bit nervous? Were you nervous you're going to get like your ass kicked, or were you nervous that you're going to hurt yourself, or like? I think I've been doing well with sparring in the gym, so I was. I think I was. I was. I was quite confident coming in, and I. I just sort of. I'm, I'm a lot to do with my mindset, like always trying to have that positive mindset where try and not let the negative in and just focus on what can go right. And I was, I was pretty confident from there that I'd do well. And of course I was nervous, but it's that, you know, those, those good nerves, like the butterflies in your stomach. Mm. And yeah. But, um, and but, was it, good, it was good just to get that first one under the belt. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But it had a, it had a funny effect. I remember after, after the win, it just completely went to my head. And I just thought that I was unbelievable. <laughs> and it was, and it's just... Good just, mindset to have. Yeah, but it, was, but it was that sort of thing where you think you're unbelievable, you haven't really been tested yet. Yeah. So then it had the reverse effect of shocking my confidence a little bit when I came up against sparring people that were better than me. Yeah. And started putting it on me a bit and started pushing my comfort zone a bit more that I had to reassess everything. And sure. Yeah, but mm. it was a good experience in that way as well, yeah. Yeah, so that's interesting with the sparring. Mm. So you had a good experience with sparring. Yeah. I found I only had a brief time at Bulldog Gym and it, yeah. mo- most of the people were awesome. Like if you're a beginner, they're pretty friendly with you. Yeah. I guess for people who are thinking about doing kickboxing, they might be a bit nervous, like they're going to go in the gym and a guy who's actually good is going to beat, beat yeah. the daylights out of them. How did you find your gym? I found my gym, I th- my gym was good. It was at a stage as well where we didn't have too many fighters at the time. So we all started around similar times and were training together. So I think that was probably part of the good experience that I had that I was training with people of a similar level so we could, we could learn and grow together. So sure. we grew quite quickly. And it wasn't a situation where you have people with an ego that are trying to prove something to you. It was all, we're all mates that just wanted to help each other improve. So it was, yeah, it was quite good in that respect. But you definitely are going to come across people in certain gyms that you walk into where they've just got a point to prove yeah but I find the better the person that you're sparring with the less hurt you're going to get it's normally the beginners yeah because they'll be kicking they know people that are more experienced know how to control everything but when you're Mm -hmm. a beginner you just don't know you've got no accuracy you're trying to land exactly yeah so you're getting your you're getting your your knees kicked yeah you know they're they're kicking all your joints that's where most of the injuries happen or you just get people instead of flowing and being a bit more technical and relaxed they're just 
being really mm. aggressive and explosive because they're nervous in themselves. So, yeah. Mm. So how many days are you in the gym training? Does it change before the fight? So I try and train all year round. Um, the only thing that really changes, so I'd say I'm, I'm training six days a week, probably averaging 10 to 12 sessions a week. So most days, twice a day. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, there was a time when I was, I was trying to train I just felt like I was training too much. Like I was doing like three sessions a day yeah. and I just felt like I was burning out. It was coming to the end of the week and I was just happy to see the weekend. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so 10 to 12 sessions. The only thing that really changes when I get closer to a fight is how I train. So the intensity goes up a little bit. Um, we'll change up our pad rounds. So we'll be doing more sport specific or fight specific. So say this fight's gonna be five rounds. So I'm making sure that it's gonna be five two minute rounds. So I'm making sure that I'm doing six three-minute rounds in the pads. Okay. So you're going like above that threshold. But yeah, and then, so my strength and conditioning as well, that changes a little bit. So I'm at a really good strength and conditioning gym called Ethos Performance. So shout run, out to Ethos. Shout out Ethos. Shout out Mia, who's um, probably the best combat sports strength and conditioning um, coach in Australia. Huge. Yeah, definitely. Bring I'll, her make, on. I'll make that. Yeah, definitely, he'd be a great person to have on. He's so knowledgeable. So shout out there, plug me in. But he, his system is that he sets a, he does an assessment on you before you come in, before yeah. your fight camp. He sets out a program that will be periodized. So you'll have like a four week strength block and then a more like explosive four week block and it's completely tailored to what you need to work on. And you've yeah. got your conditioning in there as well. So that all changes coming into fight week. From fight week, you, you sort of tailor it all down and you taper off and you have a few days off where you're just relaxing, recovering, massages, ice baths and stuff like that. So there is a process to it. Mm. But yeah. So what are you working on specifically for this one? So for this one, don't want to give too much of the game plan. Well, sure. But um, it's just, just, just improve. It's, I try not to focus too much on one opponent because yeah. I'm still, I've only been doing this for three years so I've still got so much to learn so every fight camp my coach and myself sit down and figure out what I need to improve find out my weaknesses and just just work yeah. through those so I find if I keep improving my weaknesses and making them strengths it doesn't really matter what the other person's doing yeah yeah is doing in there because I'll, I'll be able to tailor my game I'll have so many different mm -hmm. options to go to that I'll be able to figure it out when I'm in there as well yeah so what do you think, um, so you've been doing this for three years mm. and you're having a lot of success. Mm. Um, a lot of the kids in Thailand, from what I understand, who kind of grow up fighting, yeah. they might have a few hundred fights by the time they're a teenager. Yeah. What are your thoughts on, like as your career progresses, hopefully you might be able to fight internationally. Yeah. How do you think you'll be able to deal with those guys who've had a lot of experience? So, so Thailand's a, Thailand's a funny one because they'll <laughs> they'll do they'll they'll use Muay Thai more like we would use something like soccer or basketball right like you're it's something that a lot of kids will do but obviously they're doing it more so to put food on the table do you know what I mean like it's yeah. it's just the career path that these kids will go down up I've been there twice but I've been to the more commercialized area the um where like Phuket top team is Tiger Muay Thai is but yeah it's um it's just a very different style of Muay Thai as well. I find that they they all train quite in a quite similar way. It's quite yeah. when I've been there they've especially in the Muay Thai classes, they'll try and change a style to fight how they fight. So I think there is a blueprint to beating them. 
but um, you find the ones that do really well are the ones that fight a little bit differently, like people like Sanchai. Bull cows. Yeah, exactly. Like they, they've just got something a bit of a different edge about them. Sanchai dances around the place. He uses great footwork. He's, yeah, he's just a unique fighter, and then he does so well because of that. It sort of breaks down that that quite common style. But yeah. I think that's going to be the challenge, really. The the where I'm looking more to go internationally, probably New Zealand next. Mm. From there, I'd probably go to Europe, where the the yeah. K one style where glory is really big there. Yeah. I did a bit of training in Holland. Yeah, those guys. Holland's got some awesome. Yeah. I went to. Do you know Mike's gym? Uh, no, I don't know Mike's. So gym. it's where it's where you know Bada Harry. Yeah. And yeah. So it's where he trains. And I was just mm-hmm. blown away by the level. Just so many pros yeah. out there. Just such. Yeah. Just a, amazing technical but mm. aggressive fighters as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, when Israel Adesanya was on Joe Rogan's podcast, yeah, he said that. Um, like the the stand up in Australia and New Zealand is way better than the stand up in America, for instance. Okay. Um, and there's been quite a lot of good, like kickboxers and fighters mm. come out of Australia and New Zealand. Yeah. I mean, um, Mark Hunt's super famous because he's in the UFC, but mm. he was doing kickboxing before. Yeah. Adesanya was really good. Um, yeah. How do you feel about the quality of Australian fighters? I think obviously you can t- see from the UFC that it's it's definitely improving. I've got Rob Whitaker the the champ he's a moment. beast yeah, he's a beast he's striking unreal yeah, hopefully he comes back from his hernia issue yeah that's the thing with him he's just so he seems to be just getting yeah. injuries and he gets, just unlucky yeah even in the fights he had like a broken hand against yeah. Joe Romero and something else in the first fight it was his knee in the first fight or something yeah. like that wasn't it but I think Yol took it out in the first 10 seconds or something yeah. like that and he, he's tough he just pushed through um, I think it is there's a great culture like um, you can just find fight gyms popping up everywhere and as what I was saying in, in that article that it's it's just such a, a culture where everyone wants to see everyone improve like you might go to gyms and people are you know they're, they're trying yeah. to claim their territory it's that sort of feeling but most of the time you're going to get a, a positive atmosphere when you walk in and people are like, I've gone to gyms where they just want to they just want to help see you grow they'll give you tough good hard rounds and then your best of mates afterwards but I think you'll see a lot more Australian fighters coming through. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, do you reckon it's better to go to kind of like, obviously your gym was, was smaller yeah. starting up. Yeah. Um, do you reckon if you were going to give advice to someone who's considering getting, cause obviously you only mm. started quite recently. Yeah. Um, if you're going to give advice to someone, would you say go to somewhere a little bit smaller, probably they can give you more, I guess, an intimate yeah. experience, or would you say if you just kind of just jump in, get your feet wet a bit? I think the the best. Well, I guess it depends on the person as well. Really, some people like being thrown in the deep end, and just mm. the thing is, if you go to a big gym, obviously where there's a lot of professional fighters, you're going to be, and you've got no experience, you're going to be like right at the bottom of that pyramid. You know, where you're not going to get too much attention from the coaches because they're focusing on their professionals that have been with them for years. But some people like that. Some people like being in that environment where they can learn off the other people. The other positive about it is that you've got all these professional fighters that you can see day in, day out. I think the best thing to do is just try out different gyms. And the most important thing, I think, is to find a coach that you, you, you mesh well with and build a relationship with them because if they jump on board like your self-development, then you know, you've got two people working on the same project in the sure. end. And that's what I feel like I've got with my coach at the moment. That I've been with him the whole time, and he's taken me from I didn't know how to throw a punch before, and now fighting for the Australian title. And that's just because he's been dedicated, and he's 
I told him what my goals were and he jumped right on the bandwagon with it and yeah we sort of just been doing well from there so shout out Adrian as well shout out Adrian and so is fighting a full-time thing for you now or how do you support yourself um, yeah, with so, your training so obviously not too much money in amateur at the minute at the minute so at the moment I'm, I'm managing so I was at uni last year but um, at the at, I started at the start of this year managing Evolution Gym Castle and Rousseau, so that's been good. So another good situation where my boss is my coach, so he understands that I've got to train. So our work schedule is based around when we need to train as well, and understands, yeah, just understands what the lifestyle demands are like as well. So that's been really fortunate, and that's the other thing about developing that relationship with the coach that he's been able to give me that opportunity sure. as well because he knows where my goals are. Yeah. But, so you're doing like business admin stuff or coaching? I did see a video of you floating around of you doing pad work with someone, of you giving someone some Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yes, that was, that was Mark, one of the fighters at our gym. Um, yeah, so I'm coaching six days a week at the moment. So doing, ranging from teens to beginner kickboxing and then there's a women's program as well. So doing that, that's a bit more like boxer size, like cardio kickboxing, we call it. So I'm doing that, but that's, that's sort of part of the roles of the, the manager because sure, we're yeah. smaller gym. You kind of do a bit of everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And until we grow it a bit bigger and yeah, see where it's at. But sure. But yeah, yeah. Um, so what's um what weight is your so what what how heavy is cruiser weight? So eighty six point five. Eighty six. Yeah. And what do you walk around at? You allowed to say? Yeah, okay, I can say. Um, so over Christmas probably about ninety seven. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um, probably now I'd say I'm I try not to weigh myself too much because. People develop a bit of a negative relationship with the scales where they're just always worrying about what they're eating and yeah. you know they'll starve themselves a little bit and then the weight doesn't go down and they start stressing out. So right yeah. now I'd be around 93 kilos, I'd right. say. So. Um, I don't know how it's like in kickboxing. Yeah. I know in particularly in wrestling, the weight cuts can be really cruel. Mm. Joe Rogan would say that weight cuts are the biggest problem the UFC has right mm. now. Because a lot of times fighters, um, sometimes they don't make weight, which is a problem. A lot of times when you're cutting weight so quickly mm. you can get sick easily mm. um, and so it means that it lowers the quality of the fight because he says yeah. a lot of times you don't get the best version of the fighters that are out there 100%. how do you feel personally with that with your weight cuts and what do you think about weight cutting um, in kind of for other people yeah. so I've got, I've got two thoughts on it I've, the first one is I think the purpose of a fight camp isn't to cut weight it's to improve as a fighter but what you see a lot of people doing, and I've seen it firsthand experience of people I know, their main focus is on cutting the weight. So they'll be they'll be working at a um, eating less calories, sorry, than they than they need, you know, and at a deficit. Obviously. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. I was gonna say surface, but that's the wrong way. Deficit. Um, and then their their training gets affected. So they've got eight weeks of training where they're working at about 60% mm. just trying to get the weight yeah, down feeling crap exactly Tired. exactly and it's, exactly and they're not enjoying it they're hating the whole process they can't wait for the fight to finish because yeah. then they can go back to get a bucket of chicken exactly that's it yeah and it's and then the other thing with that is that after the weigh-in so you've got a 24-hour weigh-in then people just absolutely stuff themselves yeah and their performance is limited that way in the fight because they're not eating the right foods as yeah. well so they're creating a bad relationship with food mm. the other thing is dehydration now what a lot of fighters will do, they'll get down to a few pounds, they'll get down to about maybe two kilos, three kilos heavier a couple of days before and then just sweat out the remaining yeah. weight. So if you think you sweat out, you've dehydrated all this weight mm. and then you're fighting the next day. So your brain 
just doesn't have enough yeah, exactly doesn't have enough yeah. fluid every sh- and you see fighters they'll get knocked out really easily because they just don't have anything right. cushioning the brain really yeah 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 you see the um i think darren till released um some video of him doing a really hard weight cut recently and you see like it can be quite disturbing when they're like in the bath like covered Mm. with towels like sweating it out Mm. or like they're on the bike Mm. with like these big track suits on yeah and like they can't they're about to fall off the bike but they check themselves on the scales it's like nah mate you've got to keep going yeah um but in i think um in the ufc it can be a problem because there's often like a big difference in the weight classes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And a lot of guys will look up at the next weight class and be like, damn, I can't fight a Yol Romero. Like, I'm mm, staying here. Exactly. Um, in kickboxing, what's the different weight classes like? Is, there, is it closer? So, oh, you're testing my knowledge here. So this is, because I've been in the one weight class, I sort right. of not. But yeah. you, what I found with amateur is that it's more, unless you're fighting for a title, you can just, you, you sort of do catch weights with every fight. So right. I've had fights at 88 kilos. Yeah, eighty six kilos. Oh, okay, cool. Ninety. I was ninety three for one. Yeah. So, but I'm, there are there are more weight classes. So you've got more like your you'll have like a like a super middleweight, a middleweight. Yeah. But in saying that, glory, it's five kilo weight differences mm. as well. So, okay, do you want to talk, a, talk a little bit about glory and like how that yeah. how glory relates to the position you're at now? Yeah. So I think it's still quite a way off in the future, but glory is basically the up up and coming um, kickboxing promotion in the world. Mm-hmm. I think they've started I think they're up to about glory 64 or 65 and they started in 2012 and yeah just got Adesanya fought in glory as well mm-hmm. had a few fights in there um, but yeah basically they, they haven't come to Australia yet but what I've seen them be doing is when they go to a certain city some people are even having their professional debuts on there so hopefully right. when they start coming to Australia I'll be at a stage where I'm a professional sure hopefully yeah. jump on there as well okay yeah. so what does it take to be a professional what do you um, have to have achieved? I mean, it's there's no real blueprint for it. I think it's you see people they'll they'll turn professional. They might have thirty amateur fights and they'll turn professional, or people might have ten and they'll turn professional. You see, boxing's got this big culture where you try and get as many amateur fights as you can. They do sort of tournament systems where you might have a couple of fights in a day. But you see some fighters. I think Lomachenko under oh, Lomachenko. Yeah. I think his rep, his amateur record was something like three hundred and sixty five and one. Yeah. So, I think as a lot of them do Olympic boxing, they can't yeah. go into a professional before. Yeah, well. exactly. And they I think he even went to the Olympics twice. Yeah. Did he, he win OA twelve? Twice, yeah. yeah. But um yeah, I find there's there's no real blueprint with kickboxing like you'll see. Some people that they've had fifty amateur fights and they turn professional. Yeah. Some have ten. It all depends how, how well yeah. you go. If you feel like you've improved enough then what's the what's the actual process so you said because some people do 10 some do 30 mm -hmm. there's what is there's no minimum amount of of fights or do you have to get qualified like does someone come assess you and say yeah you're okay to do it or so my understanding of it is that it's just simply a matter of registration so when you register um with the combat sports authority in australia you register as amateur or professional. Yeah. So I, I know amateur professional MMA fighters that also haven't had a professional boxing fight, but they um, but they just register as a professional boxer as well. Um, so yeah, I think it's just a matter of registration. Then it's finding the fight. So you speak to a promoter, say I want to have a professional fight, and they'll fight. You obviously can only then fight other professionals mm. at that point sure. as well. Okay. Yeah. 
Are there any professionals on the same cards as you, or are they different um, different events? Yeah, so there are. So they'll have shows where they're professional amateurs and professionals. Um, there's, I think, on the last show I was on, there was one professional fight on there. Mm. But you'll find on the MMA shows they'll have they'll try and get a few more professionals on there. Mm. But yeah, so they, yeah. especially now at the moment because it's still growing, they'll have a mixture of professional and amateur on there. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, so we got Mackenzie Cunningham. Yeah, coming up. That's the man. What are you expecting from him? So, like I so I've touched on this in the article, so I'll probably repeat my words here. But I think it's going to be in his hometown. Yeah, was it? Tookley or Trookley? Yeah, Tookley. Yeah. I think it's about 15 minutes away from Gosford. Um, Central Coast boys. Yeah, Central Coast. Yeah. Central Coast Bogans. <laughs> Throw that shout out, Bogan. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Thank you. Um, but yeah, and it's he's the he's the champ. He's the reigning champ. He's like the I think he's a bit of a hometown hero there. Right. So I think he's going to feel like he's got something to prove, um, and of course he's going to want to redeem himself as well. Like he's, I'm sure he feels like he didn't get to show the best version of himself. Yeah. So I'm expecting that he's going to have trained really hard. I'm expecting that he's going to come in with a game plan that's going to try and break me down from the last fight. Mm-hmm. But that's what you want. You want those challenges in the end. Like you, you don't want to be fighting people that you know, you know you're always going to be able to beat. Like I think that I'd be first out, I don't think that video or the last fight shows his true ability. Sure. So I think it'll be, I think it'll be a bit more of an entertaining fight in terms of you're going to get a few more rounds out of it. But yeah, that's You reckon cool. he's vulnerable to that knee again? Because we'll throw, we'll, show, we'll throw that up again in the, the video. video. We'll throw it in a few times. Yeah, nice. Um, I think, I think he'll, he'll... He'll be, he'll be ready for that knee. Yeah, I think it'll, it's got to play on his mind, really. Like I even know when I've been sparring people, they've landed a big shot on me. The next time I go and spar them, you've just got in the back of your mind, you know that shot sure. is coming. So, he might have been working on his defence to... To defend against it, but then right. that creates opening elsewhere. So, so it's a it's a win win for me really in that department. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, Joe Rogan, love the man. He's going to get another mention. <laughs> I don't um, know why. Why don't you just go work for Joe Rogan? Well, well, they might now. call <laughs> us. To, they can call us to Joe Rogan to Australia now. I think we're about to fill that podcast. What about space. Rogan, Joe's? Rogan Joe's? Rogan Joe's. Yeah, that's clever. Um, <laughs> He would call. He says that fighting is um, high stakes problem solving. Mm. Problem solving <laughs> with uh, deadly consequences. Mm. Um, you feel like you're you're pretty good in that regard. You feel like whatever he brings, you'll be able to get around it. I'm I'm confident. Yeah, I think the the people that I train with, like I'm, I'm training with some of the best, especially sparring with some of the best sort of professional. Strikers in Australia. So Can you give just, him a quick shout out. Yeah, Joel Kendrick, probably my toughest sparring partner. Just I know it's it's one of those where it's it's like a love hate relationship. When we're sparring, you think we hate each other, but yeah. we're really good mates outside. And I just know he's always going to give me really good solid rounds. I probably got I don't know if it's on that side. I got a bit of a black eye from today. But yeah. That was Joel's handiwork. He, he caught you. Once. Yeah, yeah. We no, he's he's really good. He's been training since he's about twelve and just really sharp striking. So. He's got an upcoming fight as well. And just other people as well. Um, yeah, just always, just try, I'm always trying to put myself in that uncomfortable position and just train yeah. with better and better people, yeah. tougher you, people. You did mention before, um, now if we've put up that graphic of Joiner's knee, you might get 
Um, might run it again. You might might run it again. <laughs> you might get the idea that Joiner is an exclusively first round stoppage artist. Yeah. You did mention before that uh, you had a fight where you were in a bit of a tough position. Yeah, that's correct. Um, why don't you run us through how, like, what that happened, what you're thinking, um, and then how you're eventually able to overcome it? Yeah, for sure. So that was first fight last year, so 2018. I think it was in April. Um, I think my headspace wasn't wasn't great in, for that fight. I'd, it's one of those things where you've got to make sure your mentality is on point because if there's any sliver of doubt that sneaks in there, it's just going to manifest because you're just in such a... You're in a vulnerable position, really. Like sure. you're, you're, you're in that in that spot where there's nothing to hide. If you haven't been no, no working, help you. Yeah. yeah, exactly. There's it's just you. There's another person in front of you. Whoever's worked harder, whoever's got the most skill, whoever wants it more, you know, it's it's all there for the taking. And there's there's no there's no there's no two ways around it. So I think my mindset coming into that one wasn't great. I'd had a bit of a like I'd got, I'd gone on holiday. I've been having doubts about fighting just because of the just the, the sacrifices you have to make as well. Sure. I think when you've, got, when you've had three or four weeks off and you're just relaxing every day, it's sort of trying to get back into that mindset. Yeah. But I came out, first round was really good. So, um, yeah, won that round. In the second round, he just, I, I, I'm not sure what it was, I don't know if I gassed out or what, but he just landed a big shot on me. And it didn't drop me, but it definitely rocked me. And you can see, if you watch the video, I don't know if we'll chuck that up there, but mm. there's about four or five in a row where I just get like, bang, bang, just yeah. get, getting smacked. But I managed to stay on my feet, got through the rounds. And then it was sort of that, I'm grateful for those rounds because it was a real, you've got to go through those ones, you know, where sure. it's a real test of your character. Ch yeah. Like test of my chin as well. I know mm. I don't have a glass jaw from that one. But it made me, made sure I had to, I mean, my coach, I came back to the corner saying, you've got to win this third round now like he's won the, he's won the second one so whoever wins mm -hmm. this one you're going to get the win like you got to keep keep that undefeated record so yeah. I just came out and I just just had to push through it like I was still feeling the shots I was tired but just what does getting rocked feel like for people yeah so who've never been hit it almost feels like to me I don't know if it's different for other people but it feels like you haven't been hit it almost when you don't get when you when you get hit with a shot that doesn't rock you, you know where the shot is. But it's sort of it's always the ones that you don't see are the ones that rock you. But it's it's that feeling of it just it just. Did it, you know you're in a bit of trouble? Uh, yeah, definitely. I thought I remember I remember thinking if he lands an, a, another couple of clean shots, like I'll definitely be going down. Like there's yeah. no way I'm staying up from this. But um, it's an inter it was an interesting experience one of those moments where time sort of slows yeah. down and you, did you were you just trying to ride it out a little bit yeah did like you, trying, were you conscious of like did you have a lot of time left in the round you thought if I just get through if I just get to the corner I'm going to yeah. sweat I just it's just I think it's the best way to describe it is survival mode you just go into that you're just trying to to push through it and it's that's where the training becomes so important and what you drill into your muscle memory because it's those times where you're just you're not it's thinking autopilot. exactly yeah and whatever you know whatever's drilled into that muscle memory just comes out yeah and yeah so I managed to ride through it but yeah it was definitely I think not a pleasant experience but probably Next one of the most yeah, yeah exactly valuable experience I could have had for sure yeah, that's what Teddy Atlas says about Mike Tyson is it he was so good that he knocked he knocked out almost everyone in like the first couple of rounds yeah. but he's got like five or six losses on his record mm. and Teddy says he's only been in five or six fights. 
Yeah. Really, because they're the only ones where it's kind of could have gone either way, mm. and he lost all of them just because he didn't actually have the killer instinct. He was yeah. just so athletically gifted. Yeah. He he didn't have the mental strength to like yeah. come up after adversity. Yeah, definitely. He was like the king as well of like the first round. He was a first round stoppage artist. Like and I guess yeah. the plan was if you get it out of the first round, maybe you're a chance. Yeah. Mm. I think that was it. I think, and with Tyson as well, people were just so scared of him. Yeah. That it it completely affected their game plan. Yeah. But once once people realised that he could be beaten, it sort of opened opened it up a little bit more. Yeah. I read his autobiography actually, and his his whole life was just insane. But I yeah. think once his um once his coach passed away, Cass. Yeah. It just his training and his discipline just sort of went out the window, and he's the first to admit that as well. But yeah, I think I think you do have to go through those moments. It's like I was saying in my first fight, I felt like I was invincible, mm. and then once it came to a time when I was the first time I got tested after that, it really sort of brought me back down to earth and made me mm. to reevaluate everything I was doing, mm. whether it was training, what I was eating, what I was sacrificing for it, whether I really wanted to actually do it as well. Sure. But yeah. So what's it like after you um after you win a fight? Do you go out on the town? No, do you see, celebrate? So you're probably gonna think Is there a favourite um favourite way to celebrate the win? It's probably gonna think I'm extremely boring, but I actually gave up drinking about Okay. two years ago. so yeah yeah so um just the hard stuff now <laughs> yeah just the hard stuff but um no it was just i just really what i do is just hang out with a few mates and just eat a bit of food and then go to bed and then start planning for the next one see that's scary i feel like if you're um <laughs> feel like if you're um cunningham that's the last answer you want to hear yeah um i'll tell you after that fight i was probably we had a bit of food and i was probably in bed by 10, 11 o'clock. Yeah, Cunningham, you're done. <laughs> you're all over. You know, like John Jones, he would go out on, you know, I don't know if he does it anymore, but he was talking about, um, he would always go out on um, a cocaine before. bender, like the week before the fight, yeah. just so he has an, ex- as an excuse in the back of his mind, if he lost the fight, he yeah. can blame it on that. That's a that's an interesting mentality, but he's just a scary man, isn't he? Like, he's, he's, a he's, he's unhinged. I don't no like part. him very much. I think he's a bit of a fake dude. Mm. Like DC. Yeah, I think uh, DC's got a lot of stick, but I think he's probably one of the realists. Like he's just yeah, and he's, John Jones whooped him. You just look at DC. You know he's not taking anything. Yeah, you know he's not taking anything. Yeah, he's, with that, yeah, with that little, with that little what bowling John, ball rig he's I got. Think, I think yeah. what did John Jones say to him? John Jones is like, I would, I could slap your wife's ass, and you could do nothing about mm. it. Yeah, but then <laughs> DC goes, yeah, your but your wife's got a flat ass anyway, yeah. <laughs> and. Uh, it's so that's pretty true. It's pretty heartbreaking <laughs> to see you. Did you use? I think there was the the phone call Dana White made or to DC. DC's crying. And DC's crying. He's just saying, yeah, he's he's not yeah. gonna have a fight. Yeah. Was that when Jones got pulled out? It was like UFC two hundred. Yeah, something? I think he got he tested positive. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what I just don't understand. Like, if you think, I know the UFC is mainly about money, but if you think, and it's a, it's a big business in the end. But if you think, if there was any lower level fighter that had yeah. the track record that Jones had. There's no way he'd be fighting. No. Yeah. He sort of comes back from a band yeah, and he's fighting for a title again. Yeah, it's a special treatment. Yeah. Because he cooperated with USADA and the snitch. Yeah. And they, then, but they make excuses though. They try and justify why they're doing it. Yeah. And the um, if they're transparent about it, I thought you'd probably have more respect. You say yeah. he pulls they got, Exactly. Yeah. Mr. Pico, we got to put him on. Yeah, Mr. Exactly. Picogram, John yeah. Jones. The Pico. The Picogram. The Picogram. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, do you have any um? What I'm actually really excited about is I think in the next couple of weeks, it might even be really soon, 
Cain Velasquez is coming yeah, back to fight this weekend, isn't it? To fight in Ghana. Mm. What, what are your thoughts? Do you have a prediction of that fight? Ngannou's a beast. Ngannou is a beast, but he but hasn't done that well. He's, he's beat. He's I dead. think Ngannou is one of those that he's, he's, he's a hype machine. Obviously, he's amazing, amazing fighter, but he's a hype machine in the sense that he just got that one punch knockout. He's, out. A, he's a sick knockout. Yeah, exactly. And then when you see when he, when he gets truly comes up against someone of proper quality like Stipe, yeah, he just gets shut down. Yeah. And then he and then that completely shot his confidence, sort of mm, brought sure. him back down to earth. And you see him against Derek Lewis and he threw something like three punches in the whole fight. Yeah. So I think Kane is Kane's quality, I think people because he hasn't fought for so long, I think yeah. people sleep on him. But yeah. I think he's And I think probably a lot of people who um, the casual fans who might have tuned in in like the Rousey era or the McGregor era, yeah. they might not know how, how bad of a man Kane yeah. Velasquez is. Like he's up there with the best of all time. Yeah. But I think people were calling him the goat of the heavyweights at one point. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think they say it's him and Fedor and maybe. I think Stepe. I think Stepe's up there and but maybe Vadum. Yeah. Stepe, he's been hard done by. Mm. He's like the most successful heavyweight in UFC history. Loses to DC and then nobody talks about it. Yeah. And then who's and then DC fights what Derek Lewis. Yeah. Yeah. And then supposedly Brock Lesnar next is it. Yeah, Brock. What a scrub. Brock's pretty funny. What a scrub. Mm. He'd have been cool if he dedicated himself to MMA. Yeah. He would have been pretty he's too much. He's too much Hollywood. He's too, he's too into himself. Yeah. That's his problem. There's another Joe Rogan shout-out number four. I think he was saying that... Um, <laughs> I think he was saying that if... Because he's one of the... He's got such a ridiculous college wrestling record, Lesnar. Yeah. And he was saying that if he had just gone straight out of college into MMA, he probably would be one of the greatest of all time. So yeah, just look, would be. Just what a, Joe Rogan always gives massive raps to wrestlers. Yeah. He loves to. Wrestling's pretty hard to beat. I mean, yeah, you'd have a good sure. chance of knocking out a wrestler in a takedown, but after a takedown, it'd be pretty mm. hard to wrestle. Him. 100%. I've got no ground game whatsoever. So. Does that Shout interest out Mackenzie. Does, <laughs> does MMA interest you at all? I mean, a lot of the sparring I do is with MMA guys, so if I'm if I'm landing on them and they know who they are, <laughs> they'll try and take me down and yeah. just lie on top of me and they just know that I, there's not much that I can do. Yeah. But um, So it does in the sense that I don't want to feel like I can do all this stand-up, but then if it goes to the ground, yeah. you know, even in a self-defense situation, there's nothing I can do. So just in that sense, but I think at the moment it's just hard when I'm on this, this path of the kickboxing, it's hard to look at other things yeah. you know? stick to your strengths kind of yeah thing. so we'll see what happens you never know like you never I mean, know people do come from kickboxing backgrounds into yeah, yeah. Like Adesanya like, yeah Adesanya does probably the best example at yeah. the moment um, yeah so like, the, like the longer range you got what, is, what yeah. did you think about his fight against Silva I was a bit disappointed in Adesanya I think it was one of those where I was I felt like I was on the edge of my seat but I feel like I was yeah. just appreciating the the footwork and the, sure. the, the technique. Sure. I think, yeah, it was just a, I think, I can understand why. I think people thought that Adesanya was just going to absolutely put it on Silva. That's what Dukes was saying. These well, two, I, did, I put a bet on Silva. I put a bet on Silva because he was at nine bucks for a knockout. I thought mm. that's the silliest mm. odds of all time. Because this is Silva. Like, yeah, you, you never it's know. Silva. I was just disappointed in the sense that um, Silva, he's like 43. Yeah. I bet if he was 30, he would have tried his best to take out Adesanya. Yeah. And I feel like Adesanya, especially when, if Sil- other way when Silva was up against the cage and he's telling Adesanya yeah. to come in and Adesanya says, come back into the middle. I was really mm-hmm. hoping he would have like come in with a knee or like tried to do something exciting. Yeah, yeah. And he did fight smart. Like yeah. he wants to be the champion. He's got to get past 100%. Silva. 
But I would have loved to have seen a bit more of a killer instinct from Adesanya. Yeah. Um, now, Silver's great on UFC and PlayStation. He's great. Silver? Yeah. Which one? UFC. UFC 2. UFC and we got two. UFC 3 recently. We got, yeah, yeah, but it's just too technical. Mm. Actually, okay. when it goes to the ground, it's just like, what do you do? You just, yes. Well, he did was, take yeah, out so, yeah. Chael Sonnen with a triangle choke in the fourth round. That was big. I'm talking um, about uh, the PlayStation. Yeah, but he's got to have something on the ground. Yeah. Now, <laughs> our camera, I think this could be our first podcast we get through with zero camera difficulties. But um, the camera is telling us we're low on battery, and I think we've got a lot of good stuff to work with. Join has been great to have on. Well, now, I thought we just, before we go, we just, uh, Joiner mentioned in, in the article as well, he wants to kind of change the perception of fighters and Australian point. fighters. Mm. If you just, I guess, make, make the case, mm. um, do fighters in general get a bad rap? Or the ones that you know? Um, I think it's maybe not individual fighters, but more just the sport in general. Because mm. a lot of sort of feedback you get from people that don't understand it is oh, why are you doing that? Like, oh, yeah. why do you want to, you know, like they just find it a bit ridiculous. They, you hear people, they sort of talk about fighters just in general that, you know, are violent, you know, aggressive, sure. bunch of thugs. That, but my experience of it has been just, just the opposite. I think when I first walked into my gym, it was just a completely welcoming environment. And that's something that we're trying to create now, just a, just a family environment. And even when you're interacting with people that are at a high level in the sport. They're just so willing to sort of give you your time. Now, of course, you're going to come across some... There's, in every sport, there's going to be some bad eggs as well. But um, just on the whole, I think it's... It's one of those... It's a weird one because you're... Without trying to exclude anyone, it feels like it's one of those sports where unless you've done it, you don't really understand sure. what it feels like. So you've kind of got that bond with other fighters. And it creates such a positive atmosphere that you just want that to spread through the rest of the community as well. And I've, I've seen it like big gyms where people walk in and they feel completely at home and they're just off the street. So I think if people could really maybe get a bit more of an insight into the sport and what the people are like, then it would change perceptions and yeah. Well, I guess no better place to do it than Evolution Gym, Castle exactly. Hill and exactly. Rouse Hill. Yep, Castle and Rouse Hill, that's correct. Go talk to the manager. Tell him you saw him on Carnage House. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Well, that's really good. And we'll give another wrap. So March 30, down at the Beach Kama in Tukli. Beach Kama, maybe. Kama. Okay. Go there. Follow Joiner on Instagram. Yeah. DM him for tickets. Underscore Charles Joiner. Yeah, we'll put, it, we'll put it. Also, if you just want to give a wrap, give him some, you know, we like to give couch advice. If you give, want to him give him some, some advice on his form. Watch his film. I'd appreciate it. Tell yeah. him to keep his hands up. <laughs> yeah, the, the the good thing as well about people that that sort of a bit newer to it is that they see things that fighters don't because we're so drilled with things. So if anyone's got any advice on, do you have any? Has that happened to you recently? Or no, not really. Like you get, you do get some funny like people trying to give you advice in the gym. I imagine that would be you, Dougal. That would be giving advice. To I'd the be a great coach. But you know what? It's the, it's the unorthodox ones that, you know, they're, they're the hardest to spark. You just yeah. don't know what they're going to throw. Yeah. They're throwing things you haven't seen before. So. Read the textbook. Don't follow it. <laughs> <laughs> Easy. All right, well, I think that um, might pretty well wrap it. That was a nice clean. No major hiccups, unlike all our other ones. Um, massive thank you to Charlie again for coming out here. Uh, 7-0 record, unbeaten. Do we have a nickname? No, yeah, I was thinking, I think I'm just going to keep it Charles Joining. You know okay. what? We'll, we'll give it to the viewers. Um, okay, whoever's got the best nickname, 
we'll shout you out in the next podcast. 100% slash get some merch when it comes through. When we get some merch, we'll send you a free one. We'll send you. <laughs> okay. Sweet. Perfect. Thanks for being with us. Thanks. See you later. <laughs> cool.